Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. Each week right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip back in time to bring you all the hockey news from 50 years ago, exactly as it happened, written in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time. This week we're looking at May 31st to June 6th, 1971. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is... It's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to quote pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will actually score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. And don't forget, in addition to DraftKings, we are also sponsored by Newspapers.com, the world's largest online newspaper archives, and of course by the Breakwall Brewing Company, uh, located in beautiful downtown Port Coburn, Ontario, where we just moved to this week again. If you like what we do here every week and every day on Twitter with our uh, Hockey 50 Years uh, Ago uh, Twitter account, uh, go to patreon.com slash hockey 50 years to subscribe to this podcast. That helps us pay the bills and subscribers get some good bonus stuff. They get early access to each week's show. Plus, we have some really neat stuff, some uh, uh, special projects that we're allowed to let ourselves dive a little more deeply into the subject matter that we're going to cover. Uh, We did a really uh, interesting look at the death of Terry Sachuk, and we're in the middle of a two-part series about Scotty Bowman's movements this year after he left the St. Louis Blues in 1971, and we'll have the second episode of that coming up shortly as well. Now, this is the first uh, podcast we're doing in our new home, in our new home uh, home office and studio. Our sound quality isn't going to be quite what we'd like it to be. We have some renovations to complete over the next few weeks, uh, which will make our sound a little more pure. But for the time being, we wanted to get our podcast out, so we apologize for any of the lack of quality of the fine sound that we usually have, and we'll have that fixed up in the next couple of weeks. Now this week uh, 
is an interesting week in hockey. It's the week before the annual June NHL meetings, and lots of stuff was going on leading in to those meetings, and we'll have some of those news pieces for you right now. The week kicked off with some Gordie Howe news, and we think it was pretty big news, at least that's the way everybody treated it at this time in 1971. On the weekend at Oshawa's annual sports celebrity dinner, sponsored, sponsored by the Green Gales Junior Lacrosse Club, Global Mail sports writer Gord Walker was on hand, and he reported that Gordie Howe made it official he will definitely play a 26th National Hockey League season this fall. The Red Wings confirmed later in the week that they would protect Gordy in the intra-league draft, and here is what Gord Walker wrote in his report. Howe and his family were honored at the Oshawa Civic Auditorium at the 5th Annual Sports Celebrity Dinner sponsored by the Green Gales Junior Lacrosse Club. Gordy, his wife Colleen, daughter Kathy, and sons Marty, Mark, and Murray were head table guests in what was referred to by numerous speakers as the top celebrity dinner in North America. What the 25-year veteran of National Hockey League campaigns didn't know was that his mother and father had also been flown in from Saskatchewan for the occasion. However, the peripheral vision that enabled Gordy to be such a great hockey player also enabled him to spot his parents near the end of the head table line as he was escorted to the central spot. The great Detroit Red Wings veteran straightened out one family situation as it related to the Ontario Hockey Association Junior A Hockey Series. Practically every one of the 10 teams in that loop had sought Gordy's two sons, defenseman Marty and forward Mark, for next season. Last night, Mark said that he's decided to stay at home in Detroit for the next hockey season, but Marty, however, will test his skills in the Ontario Hockey Association, but as of that night, no decision had been made as to which team for whom Marty would play. Uh, Mr. Howe told Gord Walker, we're more concerned with the proper schooling and the type of people behind the team and hope they will take the boy for what he is. Colleen has done a professional job and I don't want the boys to be thrown to the wolves. Mrs. Howe was directly responsible for Detroit entering a team in the Southern Ontario Junior A League this past season and she acted as that club's manager and shaped the futures of the boys quite well, everyone agrees. So while there was news that Gordy was indeed going to play another season the, uh, next year, there was a Detroit Red Wings player who did retire this week. Not really good news. Goalie Roy Edwards, 34 years old, told the Red Wings that he is retiring from hockey because he cannot shake the dizzy spells and headaches that has continued to plague him since he suffered a fractured skull during the last season. Roy just said it's too hard to continue and he's hanging up his skates once again at age 34. The International Ice Hockey Federation gave out its 1972 Olympic lineup this week. A total of 11 countries would take part in the 72 Olympics hockey tournament, 
which is going to be held in Sapporo, Japan in February of 72. Six countries headed by the defending Russian club will compete in Group A, along with Czechoslovakia, Sweden, Finland, West Germany, and Switzerland. Group B will consist of the United States, France, Japan, Norway, and Yugoslavia. Canada, of course, is not participating in the 1972 Olympics and, in fact, is not participating in any international hockey games because of uh, an inability for that country to play their best players against the other best players in the world. And they say they will not return to international hockey until they are allowed to use all their professionals against other teams professionals. Former Montreal Canadiens forward Claude Provo, one of the most honest hockey players I think in the history of the game, spent last season coaching junior hockey in Quebec after retiring from the Canadiens, says he wants to come back to the National Hockey League for the 1971-72 season. Claude had said last summer that if he was drafted by any other team and wasn't going to play in Montreal, he wouldn't play for anyone. But now he says he's not against playing for another National Hockey League team. I think Claude can see the Habs have a stacked lineup and it will be tough for him to come back in at his age after sitting a year out. We have some Chicago Blackhawks injury news. Keith Magnuson, the talented young Hawks defenseman, will undergo surgery in Chicago on June 14th for an injured knee which troubled him for the last three and a half months of the 1970-71 season. The operation will be performed by Dr. Theodore Fox, team physician for the Chicago Bears of the NFL. And he yesterday described Magnuson's ailment as a partial rupture of ligaments on the inner side of the knee and torn cartilage on the backside of the knee and that sounds like a lot of work for one guy to clean up in one boat of surgery still with the Blackhawks uh, there's rumors continue to swirl around saying that the, the the Hawks definitely want to acquire Vancouver Canucks forward Rosaire Pema although the two sides continue to, to haggle but they're in disagreement as to whom Chicago would send to, to Vancouver for good old Cracklin Rosie. The latest suggestion is that the Blackhawks would part with defenseman Doug Jarrett and a couple of minor leaguers to bring Rosaire Pema to Chicago. Minnesota North Stars general manager Ren Blair has decided on which uh, two goalkeepers he will protect in next week's interleague draft. Ren uh, announced to newsmen that he has informed veteran goalie Gump Worsley personally that he has decided upon Cesar Maniego and Jill Gilbert as the two goalies to be kept by the North Stars uh, to be uh, immunized from the draft. That would make Worsley available to any other National Hockey League team which wants to pay $40,000 for the Gumper. Or it'll make available its third goalie in a trade for the North Stars for Worsley. That's what they would want to do. The North Stars would have the option of choosing either plan. This is what uh, 
Blair is claiming to be able to do. Ren Blair said, I have every reason to believe that we have a good chance to get through the draft without losing Gump. He'll retire rather than play with several teams if they draft him, although those teams were not mentioned. Blair says, I might even give Worsley a job with the North Stars if he decides not to play with one of those other teams. Worsley wants to stay here, and I want to do everything I can to grant his wish. Here's another little bit of Ontario Hockey Association Junior A news. It seems like that league will not compete for the 1972 Memorial Cup. The Ontario Hockey Association Junior A group says that the Memorial Cup playoffs are not in its plans for next season. The teams are going to go ahead, according to OHA President Clarence Tubby Schmaltz, they're going to go ahead with a 63-game schedule. The OHA winners will not have anybody to play against. Their agreement with the Quebec Juniors was wiped out when the Quebec League President Bob LaBelle reneged on an agreement with the Ontario League not to play against the Western teams. Schmaltz says Ron Butlin, president of the Western Canada Hockey League, was going to get back to me at the end of the CAHA meetings last week, but he didn't call us. I presume he couldn't convince his team to drop the two overage players, and it looks as though we'll be going our merry old way by ourselves. Now that's the big sticking point between the Eastern teams and the teams from the Western Canada Hockey League. The Western teams are allowed, they have a rule where they can have a couple of players older than age 20 on the team and the the teams in Ontario and Quebec do not allow that. They feel though that that gives the Western Canada teams a decided advantage and it does and Ontario says until they make the playing field level we ain't gonna play. Some of you may remember the name of Claude Sear. He was a uh, a goaltender who played in nearly every professional hockey league which is around during his career. He passed away this week at age 32 from pneumonia. Claude played in the Eastern Professional League, the Western Hockey League, and the American Hockey League, and even played 20 minutes of time for the Canadians in the very late 1950s when he came in to replace another backup goalie by the name, I believe, of Claude Pronovo. Uh, he was uh, also a, a very good senior hockey player and played a lot of time with Quebec in the Senior Hockey League and also had uh, tryouts with the Philadelphia Flyers and I believe also with the Los Angeles Kings and he is survived by a wife and three children. Montreal Canadiens general manager Sammy Pollock is not rushing John Bellable for a decision on whether he will play next season. Sam has given John all the time he needs to make up his mind and he's even willing to sacrifice a protected spot on the Habs roster to keep another NHL team from drafting Big John in the intra-league draft. You know the Punch Imlac would gladly risk $40,000 of the Knox Brothers money to try and entice Bellable to finish up his career as the captain of the Buffalo Sabres. The Canadian press is reporting that John Ferguson, Montreal Canadiens' rugged left winger, has announced his retirement for the second time in a year 
from the National Hockey League. But this time, the 32-year-old veteran says it will be permanent. This one's going to stick. John says he has signed his voluntary retirement papers, something he did not do when he announced his retirement last fall. You see, a player who signs such papers cannot return to the NHL for one year without the consent of all 14 clubs. That means he must go through waivers and any club, if he wants to come back, could pick him off from the Canadians on waivers. And, of course, Fergie wouldn't play for anybody else but Montreal. Everybody believes that. Ferguson cited business interests when he announced his retirement last October 7th, but he came back later to join the Canadians in the drive to that exciting Stanley Cup championship just finished. Fergie said, I started thinking of retirement two weeks after coming back. Didn't take long for him to make up his mind at the end of the season. At a press conference at the Montreal Forum, Fergie told reporters that his clothing business demanded too much of his time and he was giving up an estimated $55,000 contract for the 72-73 season, or at least it would run through 72-73. Fergie just says that the business is too lucrative more lucrative than hockey, less physically demanding, and he is sitting out the rest of his life as a hockey player. The legendary Patrick family has another member in the hockey business. He is Lester Patrick, age 31, and he has been named the business manager of the Los Angeles Kings. He is the son of St. Louis Blues, once and once again general manager Lynn Patrick, and the grandson of the late great Lester Patrick, who was the longtime coach and general manager of the New York Rangers. One of the NHL's really good guys has landed on his feet. Uh, That was former NHLer Billy Harris, longtime Maple Leaf, had uh, stints also with Detroit, Pittsburgh, and the Oakland Seals. He has signed on to coach the Swedish national hockey team. It's a one-year contract, and he replaces Arnie Stromberg, who resigned from the Swedish program after 11 years at the helm of that national team, but he resigned over some disciplinary problems with players at the last world championships in Geneva. There was a lot of partying going on, and Arnie felt he was losing control of things, and he took the uh, the step of, of uh, backing out, uh, stepping down, and Billy Harris is brought in to try and get this program back on the rails. Johnny Busick, the veteran left winger with the Boston Bruins, has formed his own company to take advantage of what he calls a large market for endorsements and public appearances by National Hockey League players in Canada. Busick says, I don't know if Canadian businesses are just discovering the value of endorsements and the like, or if the players really haven't made themselves available. But there is a large market here in Western Canada. I think the Vancouver Canucks have something to do with this huge increase in this type of market. Johnny has his own company now, and you can see that he'll be making a little bit by helping NHL players and endorsements in Western Canada. 
Los Angeles Kings general manager Larry Reagan figures that his team is a bright future right now and he knows exactly what he needs to do next. Larry says we developed an offense last year. Now we have to build our defense. That's why we're looking for a first-class goaltender and a defenseman or two. The particular man I want in goal might be available very shortly. We'll know for sure after the interleague draft. Red Burnett of the Toronto Star profiles Gary Young, who is the new general manager of the California Golden Seals. Gary's got three years to get that moribund franchise back on the beam. Uh, he's know he's got a tough road to hoe, especially with no first-round amateur draft pick this year. Here's what Red Burnett uh, wrote about Gary Young. He says, Gary Young looks more like a lay preacher than the man Charles O'Finley has selected to revitalize Oakland, the National Hockey League's most depressed area. The Oshawa native readily admits the task he has undertaken is about as easy as moving Mount Etna. He knows the California Seals need almost a complete rebuilding job to become even reasonably competitive. Now, why did he leave his cushy job as director of the flourishing Boston Bruins farm organization to become general manager of the hockey wasteland of the West? Well, Gary says... Everyone in the management end of hockey dreams of taking over a general manager's job in the NHL. I talked to Mr. Finley and he said, I'll supply the money if you think you can put a team on the ice within the next three seasons to turn the Seals into a winner. Well, Gary says he liked the sound of that challenge. If Finley was willing to supply the money, Gary felt that he had the energy and the ability to do his end of the job. Now, Young admits he didn't know just how bad the Seals mess was until he made a thorough investigation of that situation out in the Bay Area. Not only had the club's first-round draft choices in the amateur draft uh, the one spot you figure to latch on to a superstar, if at all possible. He found out that they had been dealt away, those first round picks, until 1974. And he also found out that the organization had been kicked out of their American Hockey League Providence farm team as of May 1st. And that was supposed to be their development club. And now they actually had nowhere to develop any young players they would be lucky enough to acquire. Young said that I just can't understand anyone making such an arrangement. He went on to say that such agreements should run from at least June 15th to June 15th every year in order uh, that you can take in the draft meetings and ensure you list up of which players are going to be acquired and where they would play the following season. Gary said we would be in a dreadful spot if uh, Emil Francis, New York Rangers general manager, and Punch Imlach hadn't agreed to make spots available on their farm teams for the Seals to park some of the players who will not be playing for them in the NHL as they continue to develop. While Red Burnett was actually interviewing Gary Young, he was uh, actually party to a little bit of uh, player transaction talk. Gary was uh, off and on from Red Burnett 
to Harold Baldy Cotton, who is the uh, new director of player personnel for the Minnesota North Stars. He was a former chief scout for Boston. And the player that the, uh, they were discussing, according to Red Burnett, is goalie Gary Kurt, a six foot three inch netminder who performed with uh, Cleveland in the AHL last winter. In fact, he was probably one of the best goalkeepers in that league. He belongs to the North Stars, but he is probably going to be available in the interleague draft for a measly $30,000. The Seals need a backup goalie for Gary Smith badly, and you can bet that Gary Young will be taking Gary Kurt from the Minnesota North Stars. A nice little scoop by Red Burnett. The Philadelphia Flyers have their new coach. Fred Shiro, a man committed to the notion that the best team does not necessarily win, is the new coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. Shiro is a veteran of 13 seasons of minor league coaching, and he agreed to terms uh, on Tuesday of this week after several hours of negotiations with the Flyers general manager Keith Allen and majority owner Ed Snyder. Shiro, who's 46, replaces Vic Stasiuk, who was relieved of command last week after piloting the Flyers to a third place finish in his second year on the job. Player dissatisfaction with Stasiuk's coaching methods was basically responsible for his dismissal. Shiro, who played three seasons in the NHL, all as a defenseman for the New York Rangers, has built a remarkable winning record throughout his minor league coaching career. Shiro's latest team, the Omaha Knights, a farm club of the Rangers, captured the Central Professional League pennant this past season. But can Shiro turn the Flyers into a legitimate contender in a division that includes the Chicago Blackhawks? Well, I don't like to say whether I can do a man's job better than he could can until I've done it, said Spoken, referring to the departed Stasiuk. I've never coached in the big leagues before, but he added, the best team doesn't necessarily win. That's the reason you have coaches. If you have the best team, you wouldn't need a coach. Terms of Shiro's contract have not yet been disclosed, but it probably will be a one-year pact, although we later found in, in the week that he signed a three-year deal, so he's a good negotiator. He got himself a measure of security. Shiro did say that he's always worked one year at a time until three years ago. He never even had a contract. He just worked on handshakes. Shiro also said, I might be tough on the players, but I don't generally fight with management. According to Bruce Keaton of the Philadelphia Inquirer, he says one reason Shiro has not fought with management much in the past is that he has developed a firm policy of avoiding front office brass. Quite a, a smart move, I think. Fred says, I think everybody has his own place. I don't think it's necessary for the owner to live with the players or with the coach. They're in different leagues. His refusal to fraternize with the front office helps to explain why Shiro never be before had received an offer to coach a National Hockey League team. 
Fred is presently an off-season resident of Buffalo, New York, a suburb uh, of Buffalo, New York. Actually, I think he was in Amherst, but I'm not quite uh, sure about that. Now, Fred plans to move his family to Philadelphia in the very near future, but that must wait while he accompanies Alan and the other Flyer officials to the annual draft meetings in Montreal. Shiro says, I'm already familiar with most of our players, and I don't think it's unreasonable to expect a second-place finish next season. Stan Hotchman, the fine sports columnist of the Philadelphia Daily News, knows Fred a little bit, and he profiled Mr. Shiro, and this is what he had to say. The last time Fred Shiro came to Philadelphia, he was playing defense for the New York Rovers, and they had to play two playoff games against the Philadelphia Ramblers at the arena. Two games in one night with a 15-minute intermission between games to resurface the ice or whatever, sell popcorn, whatever it is they had to do. Shiro was asked about this, and he said, Ah, when you're 18 years old, you never think about being tired. Five minutes rest and you're ready to go again. I remember those games. They both went into overtime and we lost both of them. Well, the Philadelphia hockey team now plays games at the Spectrum. It is The team is now called the Flyers and they no longer have to play two games in one night. Although there are going to be nights this winter when it'll seem like they're slogging uphill in soft ice for 120 minutes instead of 60. Flyers have a lot of work to do. Fred Shiro will be coaching them. He returned to Philadelphia for the first time in 27 years to accept the coaching job that was created when Vic Stasiak got the axe last week. If Stasiak's firing caught people by surprise, today's hiring of Shiro is the worst kept secret since Mia Farrow's twins. Apparently, while general manager Keith Allen was busy breaking the ice with Shiro, three reporters invaded his office accompanied by two photographers. This, moaned Allen, is liable to be a little embarrassing. Well, it really wasn't, though, even though it wasn't because of uh, Shiro agreeing to terms shortly later. Shiro is a compact guy with bristly hair and glasses. He has patience and a wry sense of humor. Yesterday, a photographer hovered around him, posing him this way and that way, with a pen and without a pen, and a flyer sweatshirt and without one. I'm glad, Shiro said in a stage whisper, I'm not playing, or paying, I should say, for these pictures. Shiro's 45. He seems like a no-nonsense sort of guy. Stasiuk was a no-nonsense sort of guy too, but when he started uh, talking sometimes, it was like a dam breaking and all sorts of damage was done in that torrent of words that Vic chose to use. Shiro has a tighter rein on his emotions. Fred talked about his coaching philosophy a bit to Stan Hotchman, and he says that in the early days uh, before, the coaches didn't have to say anything. I think a man has a right to know why he's sitting out. One of the Flyers players who complained about sitting out was Andre Lacroix, and he never did actually figure out why Vic Stasiak wasn't playing him. Well, Fred says, if I don't tell him, how is he ever going to improve? I tell my guys, I don't want you to do what I say unless I can prove that I'm right. Shiro says he believes in communicating and that too many coaches, when they first start out, well, these coaches think they're God. Then they find out they're not. A man has no right to demand respect of any person. You've got to earn that respect. 
Fred says, if you do, if you earn the respect, you've got yourself a club by the end of the season. And finally this week, the Canadian press provides us with a preview of what to expect at the National Hockey League meetings in Montreal next week. While President Clarence Campbell admits there's plenty of important business to be conducted throughout the next week's meetings in Montreal, he says it's likely one of the busiest sessions of the uh, Monday to Thursday affair will be on Thursday, that final day. Thursday, of course, is the day of the amateur draft when the 14 National Hockey League clubs draw from this year's pool of over 6,800 eligible amateurs in an effort to find potential superstars that never come their way through the normal channels of the league's interleague draft and often through trades. This year, each club may protect 18 players in that intra-league draft plus two goalkeepers when the teams take part in the internal exercise for the new price of $40,000 they can pick up any of those unprotected players and by the way that $40,000 that's up 10 grand from previous years so Campbell feels that with that 18 and 2 limit and exemptions granted to each team for first-year professionals. They don't have to be protected. Clarence feels that the trend in future drafts will be towards the amateur aspect rather than the interleague draft, which up till now has, has made most of the headlines. Campbell says you'll find the amateur draft getting bigger all the time. This year could be the biggest amateur draft in history, and I feel it will continue to dominate in the next few years. I got a tip for you, Clarence. It's going to be longer than that. Now, the professional clubs pay $3,000 for each youngster picked in the draft, players who attained their 20th birthday in 1971, and they contribute another $3,000 when the player signs his first professional contract. An additional $4,000 is paid if the selectee plays 25 or more regular season or playoff games in the NHL during the next season. This potential $10,000 fee is paid by the NHL to the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association. Last year saw the 14 clubs pick 115 players and that was a record with 59 players actually signing contract and turning professional and 11 of them drawing the maximum $10,000 stipend for the CAHA. The order of selections among the NHL clubs in the amateur draft is conducted in the inverse overall order of the points earned in the 1970-71 schedule rather than final standings in each division. However, Previous deals by some of the weaker clubs whereby they relinquished their amateur draft picks for immediate help still leave the stronger organizations in the driver's seat. And of course, you know who we're talking about there. The Montreal Canadiens, for example, own the first choice of the California Golden Seals and the seventh uh, first round pick owned by the Min or should have belonged to the Minnesota North Stars as well as their regular 11th place choice. The Boston Bruins, New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers each have two picks in the first round. In addition 
to the all-important interleague and amateur drafts, there are two other drafts scheduled as well. The interleague draft takes place on Monday when the NHL teams draw on the American and Western Hockey League teams for talent, and the price there is $30,000 for each player taken from one of those minor league uh, franchises. Wednesday features a what we call the reverse draft when the American Hockey League and Western Hockey League teams may pick up players from the NHL at a cost of $15,000 for the first phase and $7,500 in the second phase. The uh, players available are the 38 uh, players and up from each team. Each team gets to protect 37 players in its organization, and then those minor league teams have shots at whoever's left. And remember, first-year professionals are not eligible for this draft. There's a lot of other business that's going to be taking place as well this week. Uh, Probably one of the most contentious issues the governors are going to have to deal with will be appeals by the Toronto Maple Leafs and Boston Bruins against disciplinary fines levied at them by Clarence Campbell. Both clubs were hit by fines after their players left the benches in two separate incidents to take part in general on-ice melees. The Leafs are appealing a $5,000 assessment, while the Bruins, subject to a $1,000 fine assessed by Campbell, are also not happy about having to pay theirs. In a similar vein, the Rules Committee will be asked to consider a proposal that will further put further teeth into existing regulations aimed at halting these bench-clearing brawls. It's proposed to retain the rule that a bench minor penalty be assessed against the team that first clears its bench to engage in an on-ice fight. But in addition, the league president hopes to add sterner measures. Campbell says that it will be proposed that the first identifiable player who leaves the bench to engage in such a brawl will be given a game misconduct penalty and further any additional players who leave the bench and incur a minor or a major penalty as a result of this would also be subject to a game misconduct penalty. That means they're thrown out of the game, the team's without them for the rest of that contest. Now, a game misconduct penalty also carries an automatic $100 fine with the league president empowered to take further disciplinary action if he deems it's necessary. The ownership of the Pittsburgh Penguins should be made final this week, according to Clarence Campbell. A Pittsburgh syndicate recently took over the financially troubled franchise and Campbell said that T.R. Potter will head the group at next week's meetings. This new Pittsburgh group put up an estimated $6 million plus working capital for the coming season to enter into the league. And also scheduled next week are meetings between the league governors and representatives of the National Hockey League Players Association and that ought to be interesting. 
So that is our show this week, everyone. Uh, uh, Not as much news as we would often get, but yet lots of interesting tidbits that are going to shape uh, the fortunes of the National Hockey League over the next few years. So what did we learn this week? Well, we learned about the Flyers' new coach. Uh, No NHL coaching experience, but Fred Shiro really seems to be a guy who has his act together. We learned that Gordie Howe says he's going to play next season, and uh, we're all better off because of that, I think. And we learned that John Ferguson has retired again, and this time, it's going to stick. So for next week's show, well, the thing that's going to dominate our news next week will be the NHL meetings in Montreal. Of course, it'll be our what we're calling the final one of the 70-71 season. Uh, there's going to be lots of rumors floating around. A few trades will be made, we think, and we'll find out just uh, which players could be on the move. And we're going to learn just what the Canadians' muddled coaching situation uh, is going to look like. We will suddenly get full clarity on that file. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole. Can't thank Andy enough for everything he does here. He does a wonderful job of putting this together. Andy is in the business of producing podcasts. If you have something you want to put together, get a hold of me. I'll hook you guys up and uh, he can probably put something together for you. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto Indie Rock Group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and exit music. Uh, They're back practicing uh, as things are starting to get a little bit back to normal. And I'm sure that they'll be playing shows somewhere near you very soon. Don't miss a chance to see them. Our uh, news uh, comes from files from the Toronto Star, Toronto Globe and Mail, and of course, the many publications found at newspapers.com. Every week we're on the Hockey Podcast Network, we're on Twitter every day during the season and several times a week in the off season. Our Twitter handle is at Hockey50Years. We're on Facebook under the 50 Years Ago on Hockey banner. We have a WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com. And of course, wherever you download podcasts, you can find this show. Thanks again to everyone who's tuning in these days. It's been a great 1970-71 season and we'll have the final episode next week. And on that note, we will see you next time. When the ice breaks-